This is a new dimension in sound. This is TalkZone.com. Internet Talk Radio. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with us. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber. Our guest today is Stephen E. Hughes, who's written a very factual, backed up, grounded, not emotional, not fanatical kind of ebook. Tehran's Wars of Terror and its nuclear delivery capability. So this gives a lot of information on all that's going on around Iraq and Iran in the last 20 years and upcoming. When um, the Resolution 687 of the UN uh, arranged uh, with Iraq the oil for food negotiation and, and how they were supposed to cooperate and all that, what happened when the inspectors went in year after year to uh, observe to make sure no military was building up or chemical weapons or nuclear? Well, there was actually, uh, if you want to shift back to Iraq, there was actually a, a, a shuffle. There was an excellent uh, uh, PBS documentary, and it was on Nova, and it was called The Hunt for Saddam's Secret Weapon. Mm-hmm. And it showed these, these UN inspectors where they would be stopped from going to certain compounds. Yep. And in the distance, you would see trucks driving off. <laughs> and, and, you know, there were calderons for a nuclear, uh, for, for creating an atomic bomb that, you know, drove off. And they had films of this stuff. They had films where they were prevented from going into buildings. Uh, the, the people were being threatened with serious bodily injury or death on a regular basis. Uh, there were shots taken at them, RPG shot in the building where they were staying at. Uh, it was just incredible, the, this game of cat and mouse that Amu say played with the U.N. inspectors. Were they bugged and wiretapped so that they could figure out where the U.N. inspectors were going next or anything like yes, that? Yes, they were, and they also had a leak inside uh, the U.N. inspectors that was warning Saddam Hussein uh, where, th- where their next inspection was going to be. I bet he was healthily paid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I understand there were quite a few car wrecks when the... Uh, the uh, UN people were getting past them into where they were going to see some stuff. They would stage a car wreck that would stop everything. Oh, they, there was there was just you know they, they U.S. Congress uh, Bush should have had that documentary uh, uh, re-shown again because it shows the, the incredible heartbreak of these UN inspectors and their frustration. Was that Hunt for Saddam's Secret Weapons? Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. On Nova, it was a PBS documentary. I recorded it. I've watched it several times, well, many times as I was writing my book. Uh, the comedy act, huh? Yeah, that and, and just and so much of this has is, is been forgotten with Saddam Hussein and the the incredible frustration. And one of the things that I like to touch on for a lot of our listeners, which they may not realize, what really had a, such a significant impact on U.S. troops going back to Iraq in 2003, is towards the end of the Gulf War. We had troops... And I, I was up around Basra, which is right outside Basra in southern Iraq, yep. where you have lots of Shiites live. 
Now, at the end of the war, Bush Sr. told the Iraqi people to rise up against Saddam Hussein, and they did. And we stood by and did nothing while tens of thousands of them were killed. And what happened was as thousands of these Iraqi Shiites fled to Iran. And this is where you get a core cadre of Iranian-trained Iraqis mm-hmm. that returned. And, of course, they would normally have a tremendous hatred for America. They expect, when we went in in 2003, expected the Iranians to greet us like we did in 91. Mm-hmm. But after what we did and 10 years of Saddam's brutal rule, the, the hatred and distrust for America yeah. w- w- was incredibly just just overwhelming. What, what should we have done? Well, I, I think one, we should have gone in sooner. Two, you know, the the way we went in, uh, we needed more troops to stabilize, prevent looting, because we had a flood of these jihadists that went into Iraq. Yeah. to fight U.S. troops. And in the end, what happened was the jihadists stopped fighting U.S. troops and they started killing Iraqis. Yeah. They would go into mosques, they would go into schools, they would go into churches, these suicide bombers, and blow themselves up and kill all these Iraqis. Right now, one of the largest refugee problems in the world is Iraqis, over 5 million. Ooh, where are they? Uh, they're everywhere. I mean, and, and, and some of them are, are in camps from Lebanon, Syria, and other areas. They just don't have anywhere to put them. And it far outstrips the, uh, uh, you know, the Palestinian, you know, refugee problem right now. They are the number one refugee problems in the world. Wow. And it's a lot. There was a, uh, uh, a gentleman, Robert Burrito, who, tried to inform Bush that we needed to go in there with a larger force and try to explain the complexities of what happens. You know, we, we had two schools of thought. One was we needed to disband the Iraqi Republican Guard because they'd been instrumental in persecuting the people. Yeah. Now, on the surface, that seemed like a good thing, but what you did is you had tens of thousands of these soldiers we no longer had a job. The other thing that happened that would Iraq's borders down, you had one to two million people that were flooding into Iraq, many of them Shiites, many from Iran, because Shiites' holy sites is in Iraq, yeah. Jeff. And they, they're so key to the the Iranian mindset and to the Shiite mindset. Mm-hmm. So you had this incredible flood of people everywhere. Yeah. Okay, you're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charme Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts, offering sound answers to life's tough questions on Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. Our guest today, Stephen Hughes, who's the author of Tehran's Wars of Terror and its Nuclear Delivery Capability. I always felt like... Um it was the right thing to go into Iraq because of the amassing threat to the, to us and the world, and 
uh, I believe it, uh, George Bush didn't bring enough people, like you say, uh, and I think he was intimidated by the left and by politics and by the world view, which, you know, if you're going to make a bold move like that, you can't afford that. Yeah, I, you know, it, it, it's the politics is just is really what's really hamstringing our military. The important thing we need to, if we look at Saddam Hussein very carefully, there were two things that happened in 93 that, that people tend to forget. We had the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. Right. Two of the main bombers, one had a fake Iraqi well, wait a minute, 1993 oh, okay, World Trade right. Center bombing. Yeah, okay. One of them had he, he he's in prison now I, I can't think of his name had a fake iraqi passport provided to him yeah the second one yashin who is still wanted by the fbi we'll never find him and i talk about him in my book he came directly from iraq and after the bombing fled straight back to iraq mm-hmm. and i talk about and i'll 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 get into this this terrorist consortium a little bit later here in a couple minutes. But also in 93, when Bush Sr. visited Kuwait, Saddam Hussein tried to have him assassinated. So you have this evil man. And, I mean, what more of a threat do you need? He tries to assassinate. He thinks nothing of attempting to assassinate a president of the United States. Yeah, yeah. He, he's tied to the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. One of the terrorists he gives safe haven to who came from Iraq and went directly back to Iraq. Yeah. You know, another thing is um, the I don't know if anybody has ever done such a ecological damage as he did burning those oil fields needlessly. That was just darkness and hatred. Uh, that that was just an incredible. He did that for many reasons. One was the obscure satellite and reconnaissance so his troops could hide in the oil fields. Two, to get back at Kuwait. And he did actually the, the, the worst ecological catastrophe happened when he did that in Kuwait. Yes. Terrible, just terrible. There's an evil man, you know, and he's getting billions from the um, the gas and oil trade with the UN. He's getting billions. He's building up his arsenal, and he's just filled with hatred. Something's got to be done, and he's ticked off with us because we went and stood up for uh, Kuwait. Well, one of the things I point out in my book, and in it's it's interesting how much Congress, I even use congressional reports, is in Sudan. Yes. In the late 70s and 80s, Sudan built a government, which is a Sudanese or Sunni. Now, here you have a Sunni built up a government based on Ayatollah Khomeini's Shiite principles. And Iran was overjoyed and spent several hundred million dollars in Sudan. They built up these terrorist training camps and invited terrorists from all over the world to come there. And they established a yearly meeting called the Popular Islamic Arab Conference. And one of the people that that talked about it is Peter Bergman, one of the few people who interviewed bin Laden in his book, Holy War Incorporated. 
Now, here in Sudan, you have Saddam Hussein's top terrorist, Abu Nidal, who supposedly killed himself in 2003 when U.S. troops came into Iraq. You have his terrorist training camp. You have the Hezbollah. You have bin Laden. And there was an excellent documentary done by National Geographic called Triple Cross, which charts Ali Mohammed, an American soldier, nationalized, an Arab, who was one of the most deep undercover al-Qaeda operatives that we know of. He introduced bin Laden to the recently deceased Ahmed Mamina, who was recently assassinated in Lebanon. And here, bin Laden in Sudan with Iran learned the art of suicide bombing. There were no suicide bombers in the Soviet-Afghan war. It was during this time ah. that bin Laden at these training camps learned the art of suicide bombing. We do not see any suicide bombers in Israel until 1993 you know, in the you, contested territory. You know, we don't see any leaders being suicide bombers. There's kids, there's women, there's mm-hmm. um, retarded people, but I don't see any of the leaders being a suicide bomber. What gives? You know, that's a good question. You don't see these religious leaders out there. You don't see their family members, but we see their their followers. Iran, there was an, a study done of Iranian books, school books, and I cited in my introduction, and it was conducted by the Center for Monitoring the Impact of Peace. Mm-hmm. And in, in 2007, they studied over 115 Iranian school textbooks from grade yes. school up through college. And what they discovered was that Iran, under Ayatollah Khomeini, has institutionalized to grade school children on up what is considered a, a global curriculum of war that teaches to hate America. America is considered... The great Satan. We always hear about Ahmed Menenjad saying he's going to wipe Israel off the map. But what they don't realize is Israel is considered the right hand of the devil, the right hand of Satan. Right. And Israel is just a stepping stone to get toward America. Yes. This cult of the suicide bomber, this is where bin Laden learned it. He learned it in Sudan and from these terrorist training camps and through Iran, this belief in blowing yourselves up, killing as many people as possible, this is how it spread, this cult of hatred. It is just unbelievable. Imagine going to college and on the side, they're recruiting for suicide bombers. Yeah. And you do get people that sign up. Well, I, I understand that. Um in like the Palestinian areas, Iran, and I, you know, I'd like you to tell me where the other places are. I'm sure they're all over the Islamic countries. Mm-hmm. Their heroes, their posters, all over their bedrooms and everything are the martyrs who have killed themselves and many other innocent people uh, for their religion. And, and that's that's where we're, we're coming into Iran, and we have to realize. Before 9-11, 
Iran killed more Americans before al-Qaeda. In the 90s alone, Iran had a bombing spree that it hit the Kobar Towers, killing 19 Americans and wounding several hundred more. It did a bombing campaign in Latin America, attacking the Jewish communities down there, killing over a hundred. Wow. Right now, just last oh, year. Oh, you're going to have to save it for after break. Okay. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts, offering sound answers to life's tough questions. Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. Thank you very much for joining us today. Our guest is Stephen Hughes who's got incredible grounded information in the book Tehran's Wars of Terror and its nuclear delivery capabilities. Stay with us. We have more.